Welcome and thanks for joining us today on the Abundance Podcast. Well, we'll go ahead and get started in prayer. Well, thank you, God, for today. Thank you for this chance to come together as fellow believers. We just want to thank you, God, for how awesome you are, for how gracious you are. Thank you that you loved us. And I just thank you for the plan that you have for each one of us, Lord. Holy Spirit, minister to each one right where we're at and go beyond my words, Lord. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the name of this message is called Choice. Now, in my church, our pastor likes to make the joke that if he were God, he wouldn't have given us the ability to make our own choices. You know, we'd all be robots. And what that joke is referring to is that we all make a lot of dumb choices, including myself. And if God didn't give us the ability to choose, you know, if we were just doing everything exactly the way that God wanted it to be, then our life would probably go a lot smoother. But because God knows best, he gave us free will. You know, he didn't want robots. He wanted people that chose to love him and made the choice to have, you know, relationship with him. He didn't want it forced on anyone. So not only did God give us the ability to make a choice, God himself has made some choices of his own. One of which is that he chose you and I. Now, I'm not talking about predestination, okay, if you've heard that doctrine before. And what that is is where some are destined to be born again and others are destined to hell. Like, you know, there are some that just can't be born again. And and that's not true. And I'm not fussing with you if you believe that. But here's a couple of really common scriptures that dispute that. You know, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Second Peter 3, 9 in the second part of that verse, it says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, if salvation wasn't available to every single person that's ever lived on the face of the earth, then it would be wrong for those verses to say, you know, the words whoever and any and all, okay? God does not predestine or predetermine ahead of time who's going to come to know him and who's not going to. You know, you and I have a choice. Now, God knows all. He knows the end from the beginning. So he knows which one of us are ultimately going to choose to know him and, and who are not going to. And I know at least for me, I can speak, it's hard for me to wrap my my mind around that, you know, that he knows how that's going to end out, and yet he still made it available to those that he knows is not going to accept him. But, you know, sometimes it's best to not feel we got to have an answer for everything. But anyways, now, with that being said, what I'm wanting to point out is that not only do you and I have a choice, but God himself has made a choice to choose you and I. So let's look at how God specifically chose us. In the verse we're about to read in Acts 22, 14, this is where Paul is basically a prisoner. You know, he's telling the Jews from Asia what Ananias said to him in Acts 9. So Acts 22, verse 14. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. So we see here that God made the choice to choose Paul. Now, it's easy to hear that and think, well, you know, yeah, that was Paul. You know, of course he chose Paul. But the truth is, 
this goes for you and I as well, okay? God is no respecter of persons. What he's made available to one person, he's made available to everyone. God has chosen every one of us to spread the good news of Jesus. And we find that in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And that says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and then of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So you and I are chosen and given the same mission as Paul. God made up his mind and he chose you and I. John 15, 16. And this is Jesus speaking. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now we could go in several directions with this, but what this makes me think of is Jeremiah. And as I read this, understand that this applies to you and I. Also pay attention to who is bearing the blunt of the responsibility. You know, on whose shoulders is the burden being placed? Okay, Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 10. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, So again, these are God's words. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, and so this is going to be Jeremiah's response to what God just said. I, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. So not only is God giving Jeremiah instructions, but it's also an inside look at the plan he has for his life. But let me ask you this. Why didn't God give Jeremiah all the details? You know, why doesn't God tell us the entire plan he has for you and I? You know, with all the details, so it's, it's as clear as it can be with how everything is going to plan out. Well, first reason is because, you know, then it wouldn't really require faith. <laughs> because faith is what pleases God. And faith is not seeing everything. And with this example that we're using... It's not knowing how everything is going to pan out, but yet we're willing to be obedient to God's leading because we know his plan is good for us. And so we move forward in the direction we believe that God is leading us to go. So faith wouldn't really be present. But the second reason is because he knows that we wouldn't be able to handle it. You know, that's why he can't tell us everything with how everything's going to pan out. Now, one part of that is that if we knew everything, there's the potential that we could get really full of ourselves. You know, we could get really swollen up with pride, you know, knowing that, oh, God's going to use me in this way. But the other side of that coin is that we could become, you know, quote unquote, paralyzed. Okay, we, we'd, what's that expression? Paralysis by analysis. You know, we'd start to overthink things and we wouldn't want to move. We wouldn't want to take that first step. And, and I kind of think of uh, house cleaning, <laughs> you know, when you're, house is a mess and you got a million things to do like sometimes the toughest thing is just to get started because you're like where do I start there's so much to do and you just kind of sit there for 15 minutes you know maybe that's just me I don't know but anyways so God in his all-knowing wisdom implemented a system 
where we are to step out in faith, you know, just one step at a time. And that comes by seed time and harvest. But here's what I really want us to recognize. Where does the burden lie in regards to those verses that we just read, you know, about Jeremiah? Who's the one that holds the responsibility? It's God. Again, these verses tell us that God sanctified Jeremiah, that God ordained him, that he planned where he'd send him, and he'd tell him what to speak. So what was Jeremiah's job? It was to be obedient, to be sensitive to God's leading. God wasn't asking him to be qualified or to be the most you know, talented speaker or anything like that. That wasn't it. God was the one that bore the burden. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I, talking about God, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the question is, how does our burden become light? It happens when we realize that if God's the one that called us, then the pressure is on him. <laughs> you know, we, we don't have to figure everything out. You know, we've all heard the scripture, you know, when I am weak, then I am strong. Or, uh, you know, I must decrease so that he may increase. When we reach the point where we understand that the quote unquote pressure is on God, it takes the pressure off of us. And, you know, I'm sure you all know this, but God is not moved by the quote-unquote pressures that, that we have. You know, it's, it's all small potatoes for us. We're the one that makes it complicated, including myself. So where do we come in? If the pressure's on God, where do we come in? What's our role to play? Because again, God gave us each the ability to choose. We have a choice. Let's look at chapter 12 in Romans. So Romans 12, verses 1. It starts off by saying, I beseech you. Okay, and that word beseech, it basically, it means, you know, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Okay, so I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So Paul is begging you and I to make the choice to present our bodies a living sacrifice. It's a personal decision. And it's good to note that in this verse, it's not telling us to make our spouse or our friends or our co-workers into a living sacrifice. It's telling you and I to make our own personal commitment. We're told to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. So what's that about? Okay, this, this idea of a sacrifice. Well, back in the Old Testament, when animals were sacrificed to God, they were first killed before being you know, turned into a burnt offering, you know, a sacrifice. And for any of you that have ever had an animal that needed to take some sort of pill or something like that through its mouth or or needed to give them a shot or something like that, when they're trying to fight against you and wiggle away from you, it, you know, it's tough. Even if it's a small little animal, it's, it's tough, let alone if it's a big one. So back in these days when they were using burnt sacrifices and 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 nowadays we don't we don't do that okay Jesus was our eternal sacrifice he was the lamb of god so we don't have to do that but back in this time before Jesus came that was just something god asked of them so all that to say 
is that it's much easier to burn an animal when it's dead, okay? If it were still alive, it probably wouldn't sit there and let you set it on fire, okay? So likewise, you and I are to present our lives, our bodies, as a living sacrifice. Now, the thing is, you and I, we were dead, okay? Past tense. But now, because we have relationship with Jesus and we accepted the free gift of salvation by grace through faith, we're alive, okay? We were dead, but now we're alive. And the thing about a living sacrifice is that it, just like those animals we were just talking about, if they're alive, it can hop right off the altar anytime it chooses. So in order for us to be a living sacrifice, we have to intentionally make the choice to live a life sold out for God. And that's not automatically just a one-time thing. It doesn't just automatically happen when we make the choice to become born again. It's a continual decision or choice we have to make. That we're not going to follow our flesh, that we're not going to go with our own desires. We have to choose to live a life of being a living sacrifice. Now, the truth is, back to this not being a one-time thing that when we were born again, that this automatically you know, happened and, and it happens for the rest of our life. Our choice to become born again is all about us, okay? What can we get out of it? Now, I mean that, I understand that might sound a little foreign, but what I'm talking about is, you know, I don't know too many people that came to know Jesus when everything was just all hunky-dory. Okay, we had to come to a point where we realized all of my good will never be enough. I can't do it. I need a savior. You know, for some of us, the prayer that we had when we became born again was help. <laughs> that makes me think of a Dave Chappelle skit. I can't remember even what it was about, but he was like, help. <laughs> Anyways. So our born again experience is about us. Now, here's the key. Our decision to become a living sacrifice is about him. It's about God. It comes from the heart of, how can I serve you, God? I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. Now, I just want to be whatever I can be for you to advance your kingdom. And what I'm describing of you know, what a true living sacrifice means is that we're not holding any area of our life back, Okay. Someone who's a living sacrifice is not someone that says, you know, okay, God, I'm in on doing what you asked me to do in this area, but in this other area, you know, I've got that, you know, don't worry about it. Leave that up to me. <laughs> you know, a living sacrifice is someone who is just across the board sold out for God. Okay. There's no strings attached. Now, let me balance this up a little bit here. I'm not talking about perfection here. Okay. About being perfect hundred percent of the time. Okay. Romans 12.1 that we just read, it actually continues on by saying that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So after this verse mentions being a living sacrifice, the word holy is used, okay? Now, a lot's been said about, you know, quote-unquote holiness. You know, scriptures like 1 Thessalonians 4.7, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness... 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. But as he who called you is holy, talking about God, you also be holy in all your conduct, in your actions, okay? Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. 
And what that's referring to is Leviticus 19.2 and Leviticus 11.44. This verse tells us we're to be holy in all our conduct. Okay? Not some, but all. Okay? Our actions need to be perfect. You know, so that's that. You know, you got it. Go ahead and turn this off and go out there and be holy in everything you do. Okay? End of message. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on the Abundance Podcast. <laughs> you know, no, no. <laughs> we got to balance this up properly. Okay? You can you, you can just tell that there's something wrong there. Okay? It's not that those scriptures are wrong. Okay? There's nothing word with the Bible. The Bible's perfect. But that context is wrong. A lot of you have probably heard that verse used before. You know, be holy because God is holy. But the truth is, it's impossible for you and I to do that. If you and I could just, you know, be holy, then Jesus coming and dying was a waste of time. You know, why did he do it if, if it was just, hey, you just got to have good willpower, just be holy and do everything right, you know. So let me balance up what I'm already trying to balance up. Spiritually speaking, okay, the moment we trusted in Jesus, yes, we are and were made holy, righteous and blameless. Absolutely. And that took place in our born-again spirit man. You won't get to heaven and get a new spirit man. You have as much of the Holy Spirit in you right now as you'll have in all of eternity. So the truth is, you're already holy, spiritually speaking. But these verses are telling us to be holy in all our conduct, okay, our actions. And it's relating that to being a living sacrifice. But the truth is, you and I can never fulfill that. There's a danger when our focus or our main goal is about, you know, living a quote-unquote holy life. Being focused on our actions, on our works. Compared to being focused on our relationship with Jesus and relying on Jesus' holiness. Because the danger is that we can start to associate holiness by comparing ourselves with other people okay you know this idea creeps in where like i look at others and i'm like well at least i'm doing better than them you know i'm not as bad as them so i'm i'm living a pretty holy life <laughs> well first problem with that is the bible tells us that those who compare themselves to others are not wise okay but the second part is that holiness isn't based on a curve okay <laughs> it's not relative to someone else's holiness is all or nothing <laughs> okay james 2 10 says for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point he is guilty of all and again we're balancing up what being a living sacrifice looks like this idea of being holy it comes from the old testament law if we could perform the law perfectly then we would have no need for jesus if your holiness comes through your works, you're no longer under grace. James 2 is saying that no matter if you're really, really good, you know, you've lived a life of 80 years and you've done everything perfect. <laughs> the moment you mess up one time, you're guilty of all of it. That sounds stressful. <laughs> you know, that kind of goes against those verses we just read a little bit ago that talks about how God's yoke for us is easy, you know, his burden is light. He wants us just to give it to him. You know, If we had to focus and try to get through this whole life and do it by our holiness, okay, man, that would be stressful. Now, all that being said, 
Romans 12.1, where it mentions being holy, I want us to understand it is talking about our actions, okay? And that's not a contradiction. What I'm about to say may be tight, but it's right, okay? It's not enough to only have a desire to live holy. We need to do it, okay? Again, I understand that it sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but we're balancing this up. A better way of saying it is our active aim should be to live a holy life in our actions because of the love and the reverence we have for Jesus. Let me say that again. Our active aim, okay, it should be to live a holy life in our actions because of the love and reverence we have for Jesus. Now, will we do it perfectly? No. And when we mess up, make the choice to be a living sacrifice and hop right back up on that altar. Our choice should be to live a life set apart. Now, is that our primary focus? No, it's not on our works. It's on Jesus. But because of the relationship that we have with Jesus, a closeness starts to develop over time. And because we're so grateful for what Jesus has done in our lives, our actions will begin to change effortlessly because our heart's desire will begin to line up more with God's desire for us. And that doesn't come by being focused on our works and how I've got to change this. I'm just going to put my head down and I'm not going to do this anymore. That's not how it comes. Change happens as our focus is on Jesus. Now, at the end of Romans 12.1, it calls all of what we just talked about, it calls it our reasonable service. Okay, it's reasonable. It's not excessive. It's the least we could do. And why is that? Because when we begin to scratch the scratch of understanding what Jesus did for us, how could we not? It's our honor to be a living sacrifice. It's our reasonable service. But again, the pressure is on God because he's the one that chose you and I. Now, if we keep reading in Romans 12, It'll explain part of the process of how we can live this out. Romans 12, verses 2 through 3. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. So the first thing I want to highlight out of these verses is that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How can we live, you know, quote unquote, holy in our actions if we don't know what the word says? The more we understand God's nature and character, the more we'll be able to live a life holy and acceptable to God. The second thing I want to point out is that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And what's one way that this comes in? And, you know, I know we've already touched on it. It comes when we begin to compare ourselves to others. Again, place your focus on Jesus rather than trying to, quote unquote, you know, rate your holiness against someone else. But if you insist on doing that, you know, here's your answer. (laughs) Without Jesus, you're a dud. Okay. Not a stud, a dud. Okay. You're nothing without Jesus. But the cool thing is, with Jesus, you're everything. You're awesome. The moment you start comparing yourself to someone else, no matter if that's a situation where you're looking down on someone 
or whether you're looking up to someone, you've been deceived. You know, when we think of comparison, a lot of times we think of it as like, you know, looking down on people, okay? But that also includes looking up to others, you know, other quote-unquote giants in the faith. Should we have a respect for other believers? You know, absolutely. If someone's come before us and they've lived a life, you know, being a living sacrifice, should we respect that? Yes, absolutely. Should we honor pastors and missionaries and, you know, et cetera, anything you can fill in the blank? You know, yes, absolutely. But none of those people are Jesus, okay? He lives in them, but they're not Jesus themselves. They are individuals who have done their best to be obedient to the call and the plan God has placed on their lives. And have they messed up along the way? (laughs) Yes. You know, sometimes in this Instagram and Facebook world that we look at, we look at others sometimes where we're like, you know, they never make a mistake. And man, is that unhealthy. A lot of times we don't recognize that those people that we're honoring, in a good way, I'm saying if, if we're honoring them, if we're respecting them because they're living their life for Jesus, again, in a healthy way, a lot of times we look at them as if they've never made mistakes along the way. Like they have, like they don't have challenges. And, and that's just, man, that's not good. It's not healthy for us. We shouldn't want to be them, okay? Like if I could only be like them, then, then I will have arrived, you know? No, don't do that. Our focus needs to be on Jesus, okay? He is our example. Again, am I saying that other individuals who are living a life sold out for Jesus can't be a inspiration for us? No, I'm not saying that. They can be an inspiration for us, okay? But again, we just got to keep the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. We got to have our focus on Jesus. So you and I need to make the choice to be a living sacrifice, and this requires a giving up of what we want in exchange for what God desires for our life. Now, I'm aware that when some of you hear a statement like that, you start to think that God's going to send you to some, you know, third world country where you'll be forced to live in a grass hut with a dirt floor and, and that sort of thing. But the truth is, the more you pursue relationship with Jesus, the more your desires will line up with the word rather than the world's idea of, you know, what is desirable. Your desires will begin to merge with the desires that God has for your life. So who knows? Maybe you're listening to this and you're someone that God does desire to send you to a third world country where you'll be without some of the you know, luxuries that we have here in the States. Okay, again, I'm, I'm recording this in the United States. But the thing is, if he does do that, if God does ask you to do that, you'll find so much more fulfillment in that than anything you could even imagine. If it were something where it was just your plans and your scheming and your thoughts and, okay, I'm just going to do this. If it's, if it's that, you're not going to find the same fulfillment that you will in a situation where God is leading you into that situation. And it'll be better than you can even imagine. Here's something I want you to take away from this. There is nothing better than knowing you're right where God wants you to be. Okay, (laughs) I'm going to say that again. There is nothing better. Okay, I don't, it doesn't matter what it is. There's nothing better 
than knowing you're right where God wants you to be. And I understand that there are some of you out there who may think that is so far from reality, like that's unattainable. But again, God's not asking you to go from zero to hero, okay? He's not asking you to go from where you are now and then just shoot into this category of, you know, <laughs> I don't I, I don't know how to really describe what I'm trying to say, but God wants to take you one step at a time. And that is being exactly where God wants you to be. Even if you've made mistakes in the past and you're kind of like recovering from the, the stupid decisions that you've made, God is he's still right there with you and he's walking you through that process. And sometimes it's, you know, two, three steps forward, a step back, <laughs> two, three steps forward, a step back, two steps back, two steps back, <laughs> three steps forward. You know, it doesn't matter. God is right there with you. And God can turn any situation around for the good if we'll submit to him. Now, let's balance this up. Is that to say there's something wrong with having goals and dreams, having a desire to to do things that, you know, aren't, you know, on the surface, quote unquote, God things, you know, like having a hobby or something that you really enjoy doing or traveling or something like that. Are those things wrong? No. Okay. You know, I say no, as long as they don't violate God's word, but God has given us those desires. There's nothing wrong with those things. As long, like, as I said, as long as they don't violate God's word, is it wrong to have a desire to make more money? Okay, no. God wants you and I to be able to provide for our families as well as meet the needs of others. And how do we do that? Well, (laughs) we do that with money. All right. Jesus had a lot to say about money. He talked about money more than he talked about faith. (laughs) All right. Money is something that we need in this life. If we weren't directed by God and we just decided, well, I'm going to be really holy and I'm going to quit my job and your family didn't have the ability to eat food or to have a house over their head or to stay warm, you know, that is not (laughs) living a holy life, okay? God needs you as a parent or as a son or daughter to take care of the people around you, okay? And forsaking that just because we're trying to be all spiritual (laughs) is not something that God desires for our lives, okay? So is it wrong to want to make money? No, because again, God expects us to take care of our loved ones and to not only have enough for ourselves, but to be able to give into every good work. And the truth is, it's actually self-centeredness to think, well, you know, I only want the bare minimum, okay? Yeah, I'm going to make money, but that's all I need, God. That's 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 all I want. <laughs> that's self-centeredness because the truth is, If that's the case, we're only focused on ourselves, okay? We view money as ours. We don't view the money that we get as all God's, okay? We don't see God as our source. (laughs) We view ourselves as our source. And this is my money and this is all I need. You know, that's self-centeredness, okay? Our idea of money and if we make more money and having a desire to make more money should be, man... I am blessed. God is blessing me. I can bless my family. Now let me use what he's given me to pour into his kingdom, to bless others. And he'll lead us to do that. 
So is it wrong to have a desire to make more money? No. Is it wrong to have a goal to move up the quote unquote corporate ladder? Okay. To get a promotion, you know, no, God has no problem with us being promoted. And real quick, he's not called every one of us to quit our job and, you know, the next day show up at our churches and go knock on the door and says, Hey, I'm here to work. Okay. He, he's not called all of us to that. Our goal is to honor God in everything that we do. And so on the topic of promotion, you know, when we're doing things and we're working for the Lord and not for other people, if we're doing things for the Lord with a spirit of excellence, you and I can't help but get promoted. <laughs> you know, promotion is going to come knocking on our door because we live a life of abundance. And I'm not talking just solely monetarily there. We do our best to show up on time. If you ask me to take the trash out, if that's my job, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to complain. I'm, you know, I'm going to live a life for God in everything that I do. And that's almost infectious, you know, like in a good way. You know, people see that and like, wow, they work hard. It doesn't matter what you give them. It doesn't matter what scenario you put them in. They just float to the top. You can't help but get promoted when you have that sort of mentality. So is it wrong to desire to be promoted at your job? No. Okay. Now, let me give you an example. Now, I'm going to talk about myself here. And let me say right out of the gate, I am not the perfect example of this. This is in no way, shape, or form an attempt to elevate myself, you know, to anyone. If I knew you as well as I know me, I'd use your story, you know, but, you know, I only know my story. So <laughs> I'm going to use my stories from my life. And that was supposed to be a funny, okay, by the way, just in case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anyways. So, yeah, I'm just going to use some things from my life. My wife was a guest speaker here on this podcast a couple times. And when she spoke, she said some really kind words towards me and, and thanked me for letting her speak on here. And, and that was really honoring. And one of the things that she shared when she said my name was she called me Pastor Jason. Okay. Now, when I started this podcast two and a half years ago or whatever it's been, I didn't have that title. But just recently, I was ordained at my church as a pastor. And I've done podcasts since then, and I have not referred to myself as a pastor. Okay. Now, that's not because I'm quote unquote forsaking the calling that God's placed on my life. You know, you know, not, not that at all. But the reason why I don't mention that on here is because I don't want anyone listening thinking that because someone has the calling of a pastor on their life, that they're any less capable or called by God to do what he's asking you to do in your life. We all have different callings, and we're all a part of the body of Christ. And actually, a pastor's job, if you go by the Bible, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and if you've trusted in Jesus... The Bible says that you're a saint. We are all called to fulfill the Great Commission, to be ambassadors for Christ. And there's no part of the Great Commission that says, take everyone you know and bring them to your pastor. Okay? That's something that has been adopted in the church world, but that's not how it's supposed to be. A pastor is to equip the saints, all the people that come to church, by speaking the word to them and equip them and they go out and they minister to all those people that they come in contact on a daily life. So it's been a conscious decision of mine 
to not identify myself as a pastor on here, okay? Now, again, I am not saying that anything my wife did was wrong, okay? Again, I felt really honored and respected that she shared those kind words toward me, okay? So that's that's not it at all. But, you know, I'm just going to have to trust that you understand where I'm going with that. Because the truth is, I know <laughs> with where I've been in my life that I can't take credit for anything in my life. <laughs> and if you start to hear me trying to take credit for what God's done in my life, <laughs> that's the moment it's very easy to recognize that I've been deceived, that I've gotten caught up in pride, okay? And, and I don't believe that's going to happen. I'm not speaking that over myself, but I'm just pointing out. If, if, if someone starts to think more highly of themselves than they ought to think, like Romans 12 verse 3 talked about, then we have been deceived. But all that to say, again, I was ordained as a pastor on March 5th of this year. And if you've heard me talk about my past on any of the previous episodes, which I've, I've shared it a lot of times, I am definitely chief of the sinners, <laughs> you know, just like Paul. You know, I've got a past. I've got a past with drugs and alcohol and sex and masturbation and pornography and getting in trouble with the law. And, you know, I, I had a short stint in jail and so on and so forth. I've had a lot of ungodly experiences in my life because of the choices that I made. But for the last 10 years, as of December 2022, I've been pursuing Jesus and he has completely transformed my life. Okay, It looks nothing <laughs> like it used to. Now, around the last eight years or so, I've been working for my church. Okay, I'm actually employed there. And throughout those eight years... Part of my duties have been, you know, scrubbing toilets, uh, cleaning, cutting the grass, weed whipping, you know, manual labor, etc. You know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And and if that's what you do for a living, I'm in no way demeaning what you do. Okay, I still do those things, <laughs> but now I have been given other responsibilities as well that go along with being ordained as a pastor. But I still do those things. Okay. The reason I'm bringing this up is because the tendency is to think that since I went from having the title of custodian, you know, talking about me, I went from having the title of custodian to now pastor, that I've been quote-unquote promoted, that I've now arrived to some degree of, you know, whatever it is you want to label it. But the truth is, I haven't. And, and, and here's what I mean by that. I don't believe that promotion should ever be viewed as a vertical move, Okay. I believe promotion, you know, a new job or a new title or, or, or getting more pay and that sort of thing, I believe those things should be viewed as a lateral move, okay, a side-to-side -side move. Because regardless of what I do or what title I have, I choose to be a living sacrifice. And that's what makes up the vertical connection that I'm talking about. My eyes are focused on Jesus. I'm looking to God, okay, that's my vertical connection. Because everything I do, regardless of my job or title, is unto God. It's not for the approval of man or to gain recognition. But with that, if because I'm living a life for Christ and I'm doing everything for God, if God has found me faithful and he adds another wrinkle to what he's asking me to do, if he finds me faithful and he can give me more responsibility, then that's great. But that quote-unquote promotion or increase in pay, or new title, or whatever it is that's given to me in the natural, 
isn't the vertical promotion. It's not the step up. It's just a side-to-side move. And that's because I, in a sense, you know, quote-unquote, arrived the moment I decided to be a living sacrifice. Because when I made the choice to be a living sacrifice, no matter what job or what title or what pay I had at that current time, I'm going to continue to be that same living sacrifice when another job or title comes along. The only difference between the two scenarios is that now I have a different role to play. Okay, my duties have changed. And that doesn't only apply when someone is working within the four walls of a church. It also applies when we're out there, you know, with what's referred to as the marketplace ministry, out in the real life, out with the the typical jobs. I'm going to live a life for Jesus. That's my vertical connection. And when promotion comes, that's not me stepping up or moving up. That's me just moving side to side with a new role because I'm going to continue to be faithful and be a living sacrifice. And what am I really describing? It's our heart condition, okay? A new position, a new title, more money, etc. should never change our heart towards being a living sacrifice. Our identity should always be rooted in who God says we are. And because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us, <laughs> we're awesome. And if you want a little more teaching on you know, what promotion looks like, I've got a podcast episode on here called Promotion, The Process of Promotion, and that was on July 28th, 2022, where we'll discuss that a little bit more in detail. But to wrap all this up, it's important we understand that God made the choice to choose you. And this is not a message that says just because God chose you and because you choose to be a living sacrifice that everything's just going to be all hunky-dory that everything's just going to be perfect and smooth sailing and that sort of thing. Okay, no. God's desire for your life is only good. He doesn't bring the junk and the stuff that we endure in this life. But the enemy, he's going around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. He's trying to use people to destroy us, okay? He doesn't want us working for the Lord. He doesn't want us being a living sacrifice and being sold out for Jesus. So he's going to bring junk our way. But it's important to know that that junk is not from God. But even in the trials and the junk that we face in life, we can find fulfillment in that. God has a way of seeing us through those struggles and those challenges in our life. And there's really no way to really explain how he does that, you know. It's just kind of one of those things where when you go through it, you can look back and you see, man, God was right there with me the whole time. And so if that's you, if you're going through a storm right now, understand it's just a season. Okay, it's not always going to be that way. Next, understand that it's not from God, but also know that he's going to see you through it. Now, if you're hearing this and you want to be a living sacrifice, again, simply make the choice to live a life sold out for God. Don't push it off till tomorrow or next week. Just make the decision right now. Say this with me. Jesus, I choose to live a life sold out for you. I desire to be a living sacrifice. To honor you in everything I do. And I thank you, Jesus, that you go with me and your Holy Spirit is leading me Jesus, 
I give my life to you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm proud of you. (laughs) That's awesome. Seek Jesus. God's not asking you to figure out everything, every single step. He's going to lead you. And that's why the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He's directing you in everything that you do. And that may mean that there are some things in your life that he'll ask you to change. And in that moment, when you recognize something that doesn't need to be a part of your life, you'll have to make that decision right then and there to be a living sacrifice, to make the change that he's asking you to do. But here's the thing. God's a gentleman. He's never a bully. He understands that that can be tough for us. So again, I am not talking about perfection here. When we recognize that we make a mistake, get right back up on that altar and pursue Jesus. And I would challenge every one of us to ask God, what areas in my life am I not sold out for you? What areas in my life am I not being a living sacrifice? Please reveal it to me, Lord. And he will. And again, he's a gentleman. He's not a bully. If at any time you feel condemned by that for whatever he points out to you, okay, That's the enemy trying to get you off track, trying to mess up the progress that you've made. So just take it one day at a time. (laughs) Pursue relationship with Jesus. Don't put your focus on your works and your actions. Okay, that doesn't mean that our actions won't change as we're being led by the Holy Spirit. But don't put the emphasis on that. Run after Jesus. Seek after him. And those worldly desires that we may have will begin to fade as we begin to live a life as God intended for us. Let me just pray over you real quick. Thank you, Lord, for everyone listening to this. I just bless them in Jesus' name. I thank you for the decision that they've made today. Satan, any scheme or any attack that you have that you're going to try to bring their way since they've made the decision, I cancel it in Jesus' name. I command it to be stopped. I just thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit goes with them and you're directing them and you're gentle and you just love them, Lord. So I bless them in Jesus' name. Thank you for the decision that they've made to live a life as a living sacrifice. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going with them everywhere they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on the Abundance Podcast.